We are in a series called The Overcomer. And we started last week talking about the overcomer. Who is the overcomer? What makes us an overcomer and how do we overcome? I believe for the next two weeks I'm going to talk about the reward of the overcomer. How many know God will reward you for overcoming? And I'm going to preach on the seven churches of Revelation for the next few months. You think you're funny, don't you? I'm going to preach on the seven churches of, of Asia out of the book of Revelation for the next several weeks. I'm not going to preach through all of them today. I'm going to probably sp split them up and preach on three today and four next Sunday. We'll see where we get to today. But I want to talk about the overcomer and the reward of the overcomer. Look at your neighbor and inform your neighbor that the, the overcomer has a reward. Come on, tell them that. Let me do this right quick before we get into this. Are there any first-time guests here at 9 a.m.? You came to a 9 a.m. service and this is your first time being here. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you over here. Anybody else just lift your hand so we can say good morning? Right over there, God bless you. Come on, RTTN. These are for real first-time guests. Anybody that came to 9 a.m. in a deluge and a downpour, how many know they're really serious about trying this place out today? So we're grateful that you're here, and we pray that God will bless you while you're here. If you'll fill out that first-time Connect card uh, on your way out, Pastor Omari or someone from the FIT team will be at the, uh, the Welcome Center in the, in the uh, lobbies on the outside as you leave. And we just want to greet you, serve you, love you, let you know we're here. Also, I want to tell you, for those of you who do social media, we do have a social media presence on Facebook under Redemption to the Nation's Church on Instagram and on Twitter and if you're on social media you should go follow Redemption to the Nation's Church on all those platforms because daily almost we are updating it with information and resources for you and your family and so we want you to take advantage of that if you can go check those things out Revelation chapter 2 verse number 1 my subject today the reward of the overcomer look at somebody tell them now and later now and later. That's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm just going to read from Revelation 2 verse 1 through verse 7 and then I'm going to preach on, hopefully preach on most of that chapter. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And you have found them liars. And you have perse persevered and have patience. And have labored for my name's sake. And have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen... Repent and do your first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him or her who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Hallelujah. 
How many thank God that the reward of the overcomer has already been established and declared in the word of God? Father, I pray you help me today to teach and preach the word of the Lord. I pray you'll bring to my mind those things that you have caused me to prepare for. And I pray the anointing to teach and preach would be crowned upon this house today. Let them jump in this river of grace with me, oh God. Take us wherever you want us to go. And we are grateful that by the time we reach the destination that you have intended for this message and this service, people will have been liberated and freed, chains broken, yokes destroyed, sinners saved, and sick people healed. Do it for your glory, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Last week, we laid a foundation that I believe will shape the next few weeks as we discover what it means to be an overcomer. I think the fact that God calls you and I an overcomer in his word gives us at least two clues about our Christian journey. We, we, we should take special note in the in the name that he gave us when he called us an overcomer because I think it suggests at least two things. Number one, when he calls you and I an overcomer, it indicates initially that there will be some sort of battle and some sort of resistance. The fact that he called you an overcomer means there's something to come over. I think sometimes in the kingdom of God, we are afraid to teach and to preach anything that has to do with resistance, challenge, when the enemy tries to come against us, we, we refuse to teach that because we want people to follow Jesus because it's easy. And, and preachers are scared if we don't talk about how easy it is, people won't follow Jesus. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you signed up to get saved, it did not mean it would get easier. It did mean it would get better. So when he calls you an overcomer, the first thing I think he wants you to clue in on, I think he's trying to make sense of some of the seasons that come in our life when we are challenged under pressure and when we, when we are presented with an attack in some sort from the enemy. If you're going through any kind of struggle or challenge in your faith at all, you should take hope today that Jesus clued you in before it happened that it would just be part of the journey. There's not something wrong with you if you've ever had a struggle. There's not something wrong with you if you have ever had a fight. In fact, the, the, the fact that he called you an overcomer is significant because had he wanted to illustrate to you that there would be no kind of warfare, he would not have called you an overcomer. He would have called you a good little Christian. But the fact that he called you an overcomer, come on, come on, how many know that, that we are more than good little Christians? Because if we were just good little Christians, that means our peace would never be threatened, our faith would never be shaken, our joy would never be jeopardized, our money would never be messed with, our children would never be challenged. But the fact that he called you an overcomer helps you make sense of what you've been dealing with, wrestling against, and fighting against, because it's really part of the journey when you start following Jesus. But I came to tell you today, not only is 
the word overcomer an indication of a battle, it's also a reminder that the resistance Satan often presents to us is futile in nature. I'm going to say that one more time so you can catch it. The resistance Satan releases against you and I at times is futile in nature. In other words, it never works like Satan thinks it's going to work. Why? Because we're overcomers. Not only is the word overcomer indicative of the fact that we will have challenges and setbacks and, and, and frustrating seasons, but the fact that he called us an overcomer reminds us that no matter how long the season lasts, no matter how dark the night may be, no matter how challenging the challenge may get, at the end of the day, built into my DNA is the ability to overcome whatever it is Satan has conjured up up in an attempt to stop me it is why the writer said and I believe him that no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper he wanted to give us a oh this is something right here he wanted to give us a name that prophesied our destiny God have mercy. I said he gave us a name that prophesied our purpose and our destiny. If you were a loser, he would have called you a loser. If you were a failure, he would have called you a failure. If you were a wannabe, he would have called you a wannabe. But he called you an overcomer because he wanted you to know whatever happens in your life, it is not going to work against you. If you keep your faith in Christ, it will only work as a catalyst to release you from glory to glory. Look at your neighbor, tell him you're sitting by an overcomer. Come on, tell him you're sitting by an overcomer. Come on, I expect for you to win. I don't expect that your life will be without a battle. I just expect that in the end you're going to win. I don't expect that you'll live without a battle, but I expect breakthrough in every situation. There are two kinds of people in this room right now. There are those who are in a battle and those who just walked off the battlefield with another victory. And I need the people who just experienced some kind of victory to help the people who are in the middle of a battle to understand that whatever they're going through right now, it's going to be all right. If the Lord has brought anybody through anything recently, if God has helped you to overcome something, I need you to open up your mouth and let your neighbor know that everything is going to be all right. Somebody praise him in here. Good God have mercy. While there are various places in the Bible that talk about who an overcomer is, and there are other places that talk about what an overcomer does, I believe it would behoove us today to remind us not of who we are, just who we are and how we overcome. We did that last week. But we need to be reminded of the reward. Now, I'm going to say something right here. As I prepared for this thing this past week and the last two weeks, I'm going to tell you I got under conviction, Sister D, because I had to go back several years to find a message I had preached on heaven. Now, let me say a few things right here. Growing up, when you're broke, busted, and disgusted, and you're poor from the floor up, and you're cheated from the feet up, come on, somebody. Yeah, I rewrote that thing. <laughs> when you're in that shape, the only thing you have to get happy about is your eternal reward. 
And so growing up, we sang songs about heaven. I can't hear nobody helping me right here. We, we sang songs about heaven. We sang songs about streets of gold. We sang songs about we shall wear a robe and a crown. And we shouted all over the church because we were happy that although we were going back to a two-bedroom flat falling apart with roof shingles hanging off the side, one day we had our mind made up. We were going to walk on streets made out of gold and live in a place that had walls made out of jasper. But the Something that crept into the church. And I understand that we might have gotten a little imbalanced and we might have gotten so heavenly minded that we did not have an earthly strategy to win the world that we were living in. So we began to preach about the kingdom. I preach about the kingdom. Almost every week I preach the kingdom. Because the gospel of the, of the kingdom is the message Jesus preached. But I need to set something straight today. No matter how good your reward is on this side. Until you get to the other side. Now I believe in being rewarded now. Anybody else thankful that you get rewarded now? I said, anybody else thankful that you get rewarded now? For those who are born of God, for those who keep the faith, for those who walk in the word, for those who walk in the spirit, there is now joy. There is now peace. There is now prosperity. There is now authority. There is now an anointing. In fact, the Bible said in Ephesians 3 verse 20, now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think. Hebrews 11 1 said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. God will reward your life right Slap somebody, tell them now, 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 now. That's why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 11 verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a, re oh, somebody said it, rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Look at your neighbor, tell them now, now, now. God's going to reward you now. God's going to bless you now. God can heal you now. God can deliver you now. Anybody told you you got to wait till four blood moons and three blue moons and two white moons happen before you get a breakthrough? Didn't read the same Bible I read. My Bible tells me that now faith. I can have a miracle right now. I can be delivered right now. I can step into a breakthrough right now. But there is not only a now reward, there is a reward coming later. As good as his reward is on this side of heaven, as good as his promise and his provision and his presence and his peace are on this side of heaven, there is a greater dimension of reward that is coming for the overcomer in your future. The Lord said to me this week while I was praying, when you don't talk about eternal reward, people lose hope. Because you start living like the only reward you will ever see is the reward you have right now. I want to tell you as good as now is for some of us. 
as good as now is for some of you, something better is on the way. I didn't get enough help on that thing. Look at somebody next to you, tell them I still believe in heaven. If they looked at you funny, grab your stuff and get up from them. Uh-huh, go find somebody that looks like they could shout all over your purse. Find you somebody who's not afraid to get happy about the promise of eternal life. Listen to me, Jack. I don't care how blessed you are down here. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. I don't care how much influence and power and persona and all of these things that this world can offer you that you may have accumulated. Don't ever look at somebody and judge their future based on where they are right now. You may be a pauper living on food stamps, but one day you He's going to crown you with a crown and put a robe on you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. Now I'll make you ruler over much. My God, I feel like preaching today. There's a reward coming in your future. And Jesus talks about this greater dimension of reward coming for the overcomer. The issue of future reward in the face of threat and hostility is best articulated in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Now there have been debates in church history as to who these seven churches represented. Some say the messages given to the seven churches of Asia were meant for the actual seven churches that existed in John's day because surely we know from history that these seven churches did exist in John's day. Others believe that the seven churches written of here in Revelation 2 and 3 represent the church throughout different periods of history. And where, whatever you believe, whether you believe that the message to the churches uh, was uh, uh, looking, looking at it through a historic lens of reality or a prophetic lens of, of, of church uh, through, throughout the ages, no matter how you look at Revelation 2 and 3 and the messages of the church, uh, messages to the seven churches of Asia, here's what I want you to know. No matter what you believe, you have to evaluate your own life in light of the passage. In other words, when you read Revelation 2 and 3, you need to see which church your life can relate most to. In fact, as the pastor of this place, uh, I have to look at the messages to the churches of Asia Minor here in Revelation 2 and 3, and I have to ask myself the question, which church do we look most like? Oh, Y'all don't like this kind of thing, I know. But we got to find the parallels in our lives to the lives of those living here in Revelation 2 and 3. The text before us today is a portion of the messages Jesus wanted to share with the seven churches. I'm only going to preach three of them today and the rest of them next week, but we need to see what Jesus said to each of these churches. There is one common thing that he said to all seven, and it is this phrase, I know your works. Look at somebody tell them God knows. Come on, tell them God knows. God knows what we are doing. You may hide it from 
Sister McGillicuddy, you may hide it from your Sunday school teacher. You may hide it from your spouse. You may hide it from your family and friends. But I want to tell you, God knows what kind of works we are involved in. And the first church that Jesus begins to speak to, and I think it is interesting that in the, the passages to the churches, he doesn't just speak to the church. The Bible said to the angel of the church. And the word angel in the Greek means messenger. And it is almost a conclusive thought in, in the, theological circles that he is not just talking to an angel, but the word messenger could mean someone who's speaking to the church. And most people believe it is the pastor of the church. To the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Why would God operate in that order? Because God has set his kingdom in apostolic order. God could come down and put, a, put on skin or send an angel to preach a message, but that's not the economy or the kingdom of God. God put apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the earth to communicate with the church on behalf of God's heart. That's why people don't understand when you hear a message you don't like, if they're a praying man or woman of God, you should never get mad at the deliverer of the mail. I'm just a mailman. Come on, somebody. I didn't write the letter this morning. I'm just delivering the mail. When's the last time somebody delivered a bill to your house and you chased that mail cart down the road and told him you didn't want what he gave you? How many know if you get a bill, you've got to pay the bill? It's amazing to me how people can float from church to church until they find a mailman they like. Really, it's not the mailman that needs to that, that, that needs addressing. God is trying to talk to you. If you've been to 12 churches and keep getting the same message and you don't like it, odds are it's not the mailmen that are the problem. You need to deal with your business. I didn't get no help right there, but how many believe it's true? Jesus comes to the to the angel, to the pastor, to the, to the preacher at the church of Ephesus. Now watch this. There's a message in, here, in, in this thing right here for us. And we need to hear what the Lord is saying to every church and see if God is saying it to us this morning. To the angel, to the pastor, to the communicator, to the messenger of the church at Ephesus, write these things. God first talks about who he is. And then he talks about the good things that the church at Ephesus has going for it. Now this is a leadership principle everyone should take with you. Before you rebuke people, you should honor them for the good things they're doing. Oh, come on in here, somebody. I said before you rebuke people for the foolishness in their life, you should honor and celebrate the good things they're doing. That's just good leadership. Before he rebukes them, he honors them for the good things they have in their church. And he tells them in verse number two, I know your labor, you're working hard, I know your patience, I know you do not put up with those who are evil. I know you tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. You have persevered. You have labored and not become weary. If he stopped right there, Ephesus would have stuck his chest out. They would have started a church growth conference. They would have started telling people how they arrived. But Jesus has something to do in the church at Ephesus. He said, I have one thing against you. There is a threat to the church at Ephesus. And this is the threat, that you lose your passion and your zeal. I'm getting ready to preach right here. 
You lose your passion and your zeal. He said it like this. He said, you have lost your first love. You left it. That's what it literally means in the Greek. Lost is not a good translation. If your Bible said you lost your first love, it's not a good translation. A better translation is you left it. That's why I get amused when people say, can you lose your salvation? No, it's not like car keys. But you can't walk off and leave the one who saved you. Oh, I'm not getting no help right here. No, no, no. We don't just lose our first love. We leave it and go off trotting away with something else. We lose that love we had when Jesus first saved us. Does anybody remember when you first got saved? Does anybody remember how you wanted to go to church? Y'all. Does anybody remember how you wanted to read the Bible? Can you remember when you wanted to pray? Can you remember when he was just really, you were really head over heels in love with Jesus and then somehow in the journey you get jaded and you get mad and you get bitter and you start second guessing and you get cynical and you get skeptical and now you come to church really because you don't want to go to hell, not because you love Jesus. I want to tell you today that if you lost your first love, it begins to show in how you demonstrate your passion and your zeal for God if people got to beg you to come to church and beg you to praise when we get here and beg you to open your Bible and beg you to give you need to take inventory of your priority and you need to say God I need to fall back in love with you all over again I don't love you like I used to love you I don't want you like I used to want you and I need you to heal me and forgive me forgive me and help me get back to you Lord Pastor, why are you preaching so hard today? Because he said, if you don't get this mess right, I'm going to remove your influence. I will take your lamp out of the lampstand. What he's saying is the light that you put off, I'm not going to let you have that influence anymore. How many churches have lost their influence because they've lost their passion? Holy Ghost, help me preach today. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There was a season when they had revival. There was a season when sinners got saved. There was a season when preachers preached under the power. There was a season when worshipers didn't have to be begged to worship God. There was a season when it wasn't about the bells and the whistles and the light and the smoke and the nice sound system. No, there was a season when we would have church up under a tent strung up with some lights and we didn't have a sound system and we barely had a stage. But what we did have was a fervent fire burning in our soul for the things of God. But over time, fire wings. And we lose that passion. And we lose that zeal. And we get like those nine lepers. You heard me. We get like those nine lepers who get cleaned up but don't turn around. I don't know about you, but I plan on praising him all the way to heaven. And when I get to heaven, I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to put on a new body and never get tired while I praise him. I'm going to praise him while the ages roll. There are some people There are some people who come to church and they think church is nothing more than a social organ, organization where they meet new friends and they connect with new people. That is certainly a very important part of being in the community of faith. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is not just about connecting with new people and finding friends. If you go to a place where they don't worship, 
worship Jesus, if you go to a place where they look at you funny when you cry, I'm telling you, you better stay away. You need to find a place that believes he's alive and well and is worthy of worship, worthy of praise. You can look at me or join me, but I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be in my mouth because I remember when he saved me and I never want to lose my love. The threat in this this modern church thing that we're fighting is that we lose our passion and our zeal and we just chill. Just chill. Just, just chill out. It don't take all of this. You know, Wallace. It don't take all this passion. It don't take all this zeal. It don't take all this sweating and hollering and such. It don't take all this dancing. Brother Tobin, can you please? Can you just settle it down, sir? Because, uh, you know, this spinning thing that you've been doing here. The problem is you came thinking we walked up on the stage for you. But the church only assembles for an audience of one. How? Yes, 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 we have to be with each other. Yes, 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 we have to put up with each other. Yes, 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 we get to sit beside each other. But if you don't like me, it's all right. I didn't come so you would like me and, and friend me on Facebook. I came because I heard Jesus was high and holy, sitting on a throne of victory, and I came to bow down before Moshanda Makaya and to bless him for who he is. And I will not let a, let a dry, cold religion shut out of Messiah. Chill me out and cool me off when I think about how God has turned my life around. I want to chase him like that one leper and say thank you. Thank you for making me whole. Thank you for turning me around. My God, somebody praise him. The threat of the Ephesian churches that they were going to lose their tenacity, their passion, and their zeal. Jesus said, if you'll overcome the threat, I'm going to give you the ability one day to eat from the tree of life. That means for every time I thought about cooling off, for every time I thought about just kind of going through the motions, for every time I almost lost my faith, for every time I thought I'd just coast through the kingdom, but I made up my mind, no, 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 I'm going to keep the fire burning. Every time you decide to keep that passion alive, oh God, I feel him in here today. Every time you stir up that zeal on the inside, every time you say no to the world and you get into the, and you get into the presence of God, I want to tell you every time you do that, God is opening up an entrance for you to one day stand up under a tree called the tree of life and to pick fruit from that tree you're going to eat from it and rejoice in it because for eternity you will have a life and have it more abundantly. Look at your neighbor say neighbor I got a reward in my future. 
I'm not going to lose my passion. You can talk about me, but I'm not going to lose my praise. You can lie on me, but I'm not going to lose my worship. You may talk about how crazy I look and how funny I am and how I get on your nerves, but one day I'm going to walk into a kingdom that there'll be no sun nor moon for the Lamb of God will be the light of that city. And I'm going to feast at the tree of life because God is going to reward the overcomer. I'm not just worshiping for what I get down here. I'm worshiping because of where I'm going. How? I said I'm worshiping for where I'm going. You know, let me fix something. I'm moving on. Lord, I got to hurry. I think people think sometimes heaven's going to be like our worship services. You know, start at nine. It's going to take good fast song or two to get me warm. Few people yawning, crazy people jumping. That ain't how heaven's going to be. You will not find an order of service in heaven. There is only one order in heaven. Worship, 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 worship. Preacher, nope, no preacher. The preachers will be worshipers in heaven. No apostles, the apostles, the apostles will be worshipers. It, it, all, it will be impossible. The, the, the apostles will be worshipers in heaven. Prophets will be worshipers in heaven. Bishops will be worshipers in heaven. In fact, if you're going to get to heaven, apostles better worship now. Preachers better worship now. Bishops better worship now. Don't you lose your fire. Don't you lose your passion. Don't you lose your zeal. Keep going. God at the center of it. Don't lose. Look, we got to move on, but look at your neighbor. Tell them, neighbor, keep your praise. You might fall out of style, but keep your praise. Your polyesters might run out of style, but keep your praise. Come on, somebody, your bell bottoms not be, might not be in anymore, but keep your praise. Come on, come on, your, your stilettos might not be in anymore, but keep your praise. I don't care if you wear a weave or extensions, if you wear perfume or cologne, come on, somebody. If you wear aftershave, it don't matter to me. Just keep your praise. Keep your worship. Keep your, keep your song. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Keep your song. I don't care how off-key you sing. Sing anyway. If they look at you, remind them that you're not singing to them. You're singing to the King of Glory. Keep your song. If you've overcome this threat of passionless, without zeal Christianity, one day you're going to eat from the tree of life. I'll remind you that the tree of life was in the garden of God in Genesis. Had Adam eaten from that tree, he would still be alive. But instead he ate from another tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your mind becomes open to the possibility of sin. You eat from the tree of life, you'll never have to worry about sin. But you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and all of a sudden you have a decision to make. man made a decision to eat from the wrong tree but in heaven God's going to redeem that thing 
and we're not going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're going to eat from the tree that brings eternal life. I still believe that tree is growing. I believe according to the book of Revelation, it will bear fruit all season, every season. All. It'll never wilt and it'll never die. That's why we'll never wilt and we'll never die. Because forever we will be sustained by the nourishment of eternity. We will breathe the breath of eternity. My God, there won't be no smog in heaven. Come on, somebody. Won't be no green regulations in heaven. We will breathe the air of eternity and live forever. Let me move on. Second church. The church at Smyrna. Everyone say Smyrna. When you say Smyrna, I hope you see the word myrrh or hear the word myrrh in Smyrna. Somebody says Smyrna. No, no, don't say it. Somebody said. <laughs> Jesus. Somebody said Smyrna. No, that's not what I said. Smyrna. Myrrh. It's the place, watch. It's the place of bitterness. It's the place of persecution. The threat to the church at Smyrna was the threat of persecution, watch, and physical harm. I'm not going to get much help right here. Because in modern day church, our persecution is our neighbor working beside us at our cubicle talked about us on Facebook. And I'm so, so hurt. I'm so offended that they would talk about me on Facebook and I'm so hurt and this is so much pain. Stop. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that the United States of America has a church people who are so sensitive that they don't come back to church when somebody says the least little thing about them because they got hurt. And you got brothers and sisters over in China who can't come outside with the Bible unless they're beaten and flogged in the city square. Come on, somebody. We're raising an anemic, puny, limp-wristed church. I'm telling you right now, we're in a blessed nation and we're in a place where people have fought for our freedom so that we could come to this house this morning and worship the Lord. But you better take full advantage of it while you can because we are not promised that in our future there won't be some sort of antagonism or opposition to those who are worshiping Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, there are people all over the world this morning who live under the threat of persecution and harm. It's called martyrdom. And history tells us that the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the early church. The church doesn't thrive when it is most celebrated. The church thrives when the devil tries to run her out of business. And he threatens to destroy her with physical harm. We don't know how to respond to messages like this. We don't know how to respond when we are told that people are persecuted for the name of Jesus because most of us in this room have never been persecuted for the name of Jesus. But I'm going to tell you right now, they're still killing people all over the world every day that we live because they refuse to say and recant their faith in Christ. And the church at Smyrna, watch what he says to them. The church at Smyrna, he reminds them. 
He says, I'm the last, the one that was dead and have come back to life. I know your works, your tribulation, and your poverty. I love this. He says in the eighth verse, I know your, verse nine, pardon me. I know your poverty. And then in quote, in uh, parentheses, he says, but you are rich. <laughs> See, listen, I believe God will bless the church. I believe the church can be blessed financially. How many believe God will bless the church? We're blessed financially. Say amen. I believe God blesses the church financially. But there are some people, listen, there are some people who look and say because the church isn't wealthy that the church isn't rich. Jesus said let me set the whole thing in order. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto thee. You've got to know what you have and what you don't have. You've got to know what you're rich in. Jesus looks at them and says, you think you're poor, but I say you're rich. Because a church with faith in spite of tribulation is a wealthy church. A church that has an inheritance that is laid up in a place where moth and dust cannot corrupt and the thief cannot break in to destroy and steal. May I tell you today that no matter how broke and insufficient and how little you feel like your life is in terms of a financial expression, I want you to know that you are still rich if Christ is king of your life and he is going to not only take care of you now, he's going to take care of you in your future. Watch this. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you, Jesus is saying this to the church. You will be tested for 10 days. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you a crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 11, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. The threat of the Smyrna church was that they were being persecuted, threatened, and almost harmed. And Jesus says, if you will overcome that threat, what is the threat when you are persecuted? What is the threat when you are threatened for your life? The danger is that you bail out and renounce Christ in the name of saving yourself in this life. Boy, it got quiet. What I think is most interesting, I'm going to read this. I wrote this down. I really believe I'm supposed to read this today. What's interesting about the church at Smyrna is that church history tells us that one of the apostle John's disciples, his name was Polycarp. Everyone say Polycarp. Polycarp was a disciple of John and became the bishop of Smyrna. He pastored this church in Smyrna. What is not written in the Bible is a portion of history about this man named Polycarp, but it is found in the catalog of church history. Those who were there the day this happened wrote it, and it has been preserved and passed down from generation to generation. And I want you to read a short portion of the testimony of Polycarp's martyrdom and death. As Polycarp was being taken into the arena, a voice came to him from heaven and said, be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. No one saw who had spoken, but our brothers who were there heard the voice. 
when the crowd heard that Polycarp had been captured, there was an uproar. The proconsul asked him whether he was Polycarp. On hearing that he was, he tried to persuade the old man to apostatize his faith in Christ, saying, have respect for your old age. Swear by the fortune of Caesar. Repent and recant. Swear, urged the proconsul. Reproach Christ. And I will set you free, he said to the old man. Polycarp responded, 86 years I have served Jesus and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and savior now? The proconsul proconsul responded, I have wild animals here. I will throw you to them if you do not recant. Call them, Polycarp replied. It is unthinkable for me to recant from what is good to turn to what is evil. I will be glad, though, to be changed from evil unto righteousness. If you despise these animals, said the proconsul, I will have you burned. You threaten me, he said, with fire which burns for an hour and it is then extinguished. But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring on whatever you have. Doesn't sound like a chicken to me. It was all done in the time that it takes to tell. The crowd collected the wood and bundles of sticks from the shops and from the public baths. When the pile was ready, Polycarp took off his outer garment, undid his belt, and tried to take off his sandals, something he was not used to, as the faithful always raced to do it for him. Each wanting to be the one to touch his skin. This is how good his life was. But when they went to fix him with nails, he said, leave me as I am. For he that gives me strength to endure the fire will enable me not to struggle without the help of your nails. So they simply bound him with hands behind him like a distinguished ram chosen from a great flock for sacrifice. Ready to be an acceptable burnt offering to God, he looked up to heaven and prayed, Oh Lord God Almighty, the Father of heaven, he said, Father Father of your beloved and blessed Son, Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the knowledge of you, the God of angels, powers, and every creature, and of all the righteous which live before you, I give you thanks that you count me worthy to be numbered among your martyrs sharing the cup of Christ and the resurrection to eternal life both of soul and body through the immortality of the Holy Spirit. May I be received this day as an acceptable sacrifice as you, the true God, have predestined, revealed to me and now fulfill. Then the fire was lit. And the flame burned furiously. We who were privileged to witness it saw a great miracle that day. And this is why we have been preserved to tell the story. This is in in church history. Those there witnessed that the fire shaped itself into the form of an ark. Like the sail of a ship when filled with the wind and formed a circle around the body of Polycarp. Inside it, he looked like his flesh would never burn. It looked like baked bread or gold and silver glowing in a furnace. And we smelt 
a sweet scent like frankincense or some other precious spice. And because he would not die in the fire, the proconsul ordered the executioner to grab a spear and stab him in the side. And so they did. He would not burn in the fire. So they killed him with a sword that day. I'll tell you this. Although he died once, he did not die twice. Hallelujah. Ah, D.L. Moody said, for every man that is born once, he will die twice. But for every man who was born twice, he will only die once. What that means is those who are born of a, of a woman and then born of the spirit, they will only taste of the first death. That's when this body dies. But they will never taste of the second death because death has lost its sting in the life of a child of God. Your Bible said that when those who die and overcome the threat of persecution and physical harm in the face of the threat when they stand for Christ, they may die and breathe their last on this side. But when they wake up, the Bible is clear. He himself, the Lord of glory, will crown them with a crown of life and he will never let the second death touch them. The last church is the church at Pergamos. And the church at Pergamos, you have to understand that in the city of Pergamos, there was the first temple dedicated to Caesar. And the city of Pergamos became the great promoter of the cult of Caesar. And the problem in Pergamos is that they began to compromise. Pergamos was such an amazing place and it was an amazing city but there were people that crept into the church at Pergamos with false doctrine and the threat to the church at Pergamos was the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Say the doctrine of Balaam. Say the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now the doctrine of Balaam the Bible tells us and is very clear is a doctrine, watch, of sexual immorality and idolatry. Oh God, how do I teach this today? We have sexual problems that are floating around in the church. Perversion in the house of God. Version in the house of God. I'll preach this thing if I got to go through seven microphones. Hallelujah. The doctrine of Balaam is it's okay to indulge in the lust of the flesh. In fact, if you go back to the book and the story of Balaam found in the book of Numbers, you will find that Balaam was bought by Balak to curse the children of God. When he couldn't curse them but had to bless them later on in the Bible, we are told that the way that he tried to destroy the people of Israel, since he couldn't curse them, he introduced them to compromise. He, he tempted them with idolatry and sexual fornication and promiscuity. I want you to hear me. I'm not going to go crazy deep into this, 
But the church needs to get purified from sexual perversion. I didn't say the sinners, sinners are sinning. That's what sinners do. But the church ought not be a place where sexual perversion can hide out and manifest. You can't sing I am the seed of Abraham on Sunday morning and then run around with some little strump at the office on Monday and talk about how you're holy unto the Lord. At some point you gotta get rid of that secret lover at the red roof inn. You gotta purify your eyes. You gotta get your heart right, church. You can't live with the world and live with God. You gotta come out from among the world and be a separate people. Well, this is so old-fashioned, I don't know if I'm coming back. Listen, if you can't shout over holiness, I don't know what you're shouting about anyway. At some point, we got to live pure and holy lives. The doctrine of Balaam. Come on in. Bring your idols. Engage it. Listen, we're all human. That's, that's the new thing. We're all human. We're all weak. That's just, you don't want me to get into how this was really going in Pergamos. It got weird. It got so perverse. They were arranging sexual encounters through the church. Yeah. We want to be relevant. Isn't that deception? See, let me tell you something about relevance. Relevance is never demonstrated by your ability to join the people who are struggling with, with what Christ called you to overcome. That's not how you demonstrate relevance. Oh, we're relevant. We're going to do what the world does so the world makes us, so the world accepts us and the world, the world accepts who we are and we're able to influence them. You are deceived. You've not influenced people by doing what they do. You influence people by living a life they really desire to live but have covered it up by the weakness that they are demonstrating. Might I remind you that you are called to live holy lives above reproach. God is watching. The world is watching. Jesus died not so that we could cope with sin but so that he could conquer it in our life and we can have power to overcome where sin does abound grace does much more abound I'm through they entertained the doctrine of Balaam and they entertained the doctor, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans Nico laity Nico laity Nico to overcome laity that's the body they were conquering don't miss this they were conquering the body the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was to merchandise and take advantage of, manipulate, and molest the people of God. Leadership, taking advantage of the followers. And we see this happening all the time. And you know what Jesus said about it? I hate it. I, that's a strong word, isn't it? Jesus didn't say he was bothered by it. He didn't say, oh, that just kept me up last night. He said, I hate it. And the church at Pergamos was compromising. And watch, they had leadership that were taking advantage of the people. <laughs> well, you need to go to the booth. 
You got to go to the booth to tell somebody what you did. You, you got to go get permission before you marry somebody. You got you to gotta go consult people. Listen, I got nothing wrong with being submitted to, to leadership. I believe there's wisdom in, in, in seeking out counsel from godly people. But when you have domineering, dominating leadership that molests the hearts of the people, and most of the time they do it for filthy lucre. You know what filthy lucre is? It's a King James way of saying you took their money by deceit. I don't know who I'm talking to and maybe you're watching me online on Monday morning. I want to tell you that these people in these pews and those people in your pews, sir, are not your people. You are not the good shepherd. You are the sub-shepherd. I am a sub-shepherd. He is the good shepherd and he is the one that laid down his life for the sheep. We are not hirelings and they are not our possession. They belong to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you've been in a place where they dominated and domineered and controlled your life and told you you would never be and told you you had to give this amount of money to get a miracle and you had to give them this amount of money to get a blessing. I came to set you free and to tell you Jesus paid it all. Your sins have already been dealt with. Your blood has already covered it. You may be broke. You may not have a penny to give today. I'm going to preach to you the gospel anyway because it's all free. He's already paid for it and we need to be liberated from this garbage. Here's a hundred dollar line. Here's a five hundred dollar line. Here's a fifteen hundred dollar line. And if you give a hundred, I've seen this junk happen. You give a hundred dollars, I'll prophesy for two minutes. You give five hundred dollars, I'll prophesy for four minutes. You give me fifteen hundred dollars, I'll be your best friend on Facebook. I'm telling you it's rubbish. It's rubbish. You have no ability to set people free except Christ work through you, sir. Except Christ work through you, ma'am. There is no bondage. You should not be addicted to any man except the man Christ Jesus. I'll tell you how to save your money. Don't give to a nonprofit. Nonprofit. You got it. You caught it three seconds late, but he caught it. Hallelujah. Here's the deal. I'm not talking about having an obstinate, arrogant spirit as it regards Christian leadership, because if they're truly leaders, the Bible's very clear you should make their life and their ministry a joy. Ain't nothing more depressing to a pastor than honorary church people who. Okay, well, I'll quit there. I was about to, de- I was about to deliver myself. Hallelujah. Woo. <laughs> Ain't nothing more discouraging to pastors than to have to hustle, hassle, struggle, stay up late at night, worry into the wee hours of the morning over carnal church members. Go ahead, preach. I feel better. Is that okay? I feel better. But at the same time, church people, family members of this house should never feel like they're dominated. Nicolaitans, it keeps the laitans in bondage to a conquering personality. I didn't come to be a lid. I came to tear lids off of your life. 
Somebody's listening to me right now and the leadership over your life is a lid. Leaders are not supposed to be lids. They're supposed to remove them so that you can grow up in Christ. How many times have I seen a pastor squelch the gift of a younger man or woman in their congregation because of their own, the pastor's own insecurity? And when you start shelving people and controlling their lives because you're nervous they may take your place, boy, I tell you, I know how to get it quiet and tight. I've watched it happen, Elder. I've watched young, gifted, I'm talking about anointed princes and princesses in the kingdom, young men and women who are just ready to be released. And I've watched preachers, insecure preachers, shelve them and stifle their gift. It's called self-preservation. And the only way to protect my future is to make sure I put everybody with a future out of business. It's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Jesus said, don't miss this. You've got to overcome that sexual immorality. You've got to overcome that idolatry. You've got to overcome that controlling thing in the house of God. And if you overcome it, watch the reward. This is a little different. He said, I'm going to give you a white stone and hidden manna. Now, what in the world? Why do I want a white stone and what is hidden manna? Hidden manna is God's promise to take care of you when everybody else is hungry. Look at somebody tell them, neighbor, I'm not getting hungry. I'm not going to get hungry because I'm going to do the will of God. That's why Jesus said when they come to him, Lord, you got to get something to eat. You're looking awful feeble and weak. You hadn't eaten in a few days. He said, hold on. I have food that you don't know about. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Hey, 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 can I tell somebody in here before I go change my clothes that if you'll do the will of God, you'll never go hungry. If you'll do the will of God, you'll never be without. If you do the, I once was young and now I am old and never have I seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for manna. You'll never have to beg for food. If you do the will of God, he'll bless you coming in. He'll bless you going out. He will bless you in the city. He will bless you in the field. There there is a reward for the overcomer for those who put one foot on the doctrine of Balaam and the other foot on the throat of the Nicolae, of the doctrine of the Nicolaitans and say, I'm going to live holy. I'm going to strive to walk the right way. I'm going to live on that straight and narrow path. God, this is old-fashioned preaching, but I'm telling you right now, if we'll get back to pleasing God, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out manna. Nobody knows where we got it from and how we're sustained. We won't lose our way. We'll keep our joy. A white stone with a new name. I'm done with this. Whenever they had banquets in the, in the New Testament, the way they issued, it was like a ticket. A ticket to a banquet was given in the form of a white stone. You know, they didn't print tickets. They didn't have ticket printers back then. So they'd take a stone and they'd cover it in this white chalk. And they'd write a special name on it. 
Woo. And when you came up to the banquet house, all you had to do was give them the stone and you got into the banquet. I love it too. I love it because, you know, there are a lot of people who tried to keep you out of some banquets. There are a lot of haters that have tried to keep you out of places of, of influence and priority and, and, and opportunity. But what the Lord is telling us here is that if we'll, if we'll overcome the threat of the, of the immorality and the, impor, and, the, and the perversion and the sexual immorality and this foolishness that's happening in the name of Christian leadership, he said, I want you to know that I am preparing a banquet. Hallelujah. I tried to get certain people to come, but they wouldn't come. So now I went out and sent out a decree to the highways and the hedges, and I called everybody, no matter where they came from, no matter their lineage, no matter their birthright or the nation they were born to, and no matter the color of their skin, I'm preparing a banquet, and I'm going to sit down with those who are the redeemed, and forever we're going to receive the bread and the wine at that new covenant supper and Jesus himself is going to feed those who have overcome. You have a white stone and when you walk up to that banquet table and the devil says you can't get in remind him I am an overcomer. How did you get here? I got here by the blood of the lamb. I go Why don't you touch somebody and tell them, neighbor, I've got a banquet appointment. I've got a seat at the table. You may not like me, but you can't keep me out. You may know my past, but it won't keep me out. Oh, I've been washed in the blood of the lamb. I may not be what I used to, what I'm going to be, but I'm not who I used to be. I'm on my way to the banquet table of the Lord. And I'm through for the fourth time. But I'm going to sit down at that table. Somewhere at that table, an apostle named Paul with scars on his back will sit there with me. Somewhere at that table, a king named David will be seated. Somewhere at that table, the father of many nations, Abraham, will be seated. Somewhere in that great grand glorious banquet there'll be an angelic host singing the song of the hour they'll sing holy 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 but at some point in that banquet I believe the king will put a pause button on the song of the angels and he will invite those who've come out of darkness into his marvelous light to sing a song that angels cannot sing the angels can sing worthy the angels can sing holy but the angels cannot sing redeemed we're the ones who he died for we're the ones who he overcome for and because he overcame we shall overcome somebody give him praise all over this church. stand with me I'm through preaching Woo. somebody praise him my God praise him hallelujah we were come on praise him for the reward Hallelujah.
Just as soon as my feet touch Zion, just as soon as I get there, I'm going to lay down my heavy burdens. I'll be shouting, glory, glory, hallelujah, just as soon. So, we're getting ready to go in just a minute. I'm going to give an altar call first for people who need to overcome. There's some precious souls in this place today who've heard about Jesus and know about church, but you haven't been born again. And you know you haven't been born again because nothing's changed on the inside. Holy Ghost. And today, he's going to change you. The first step to being an overcomer is to be born again. You get born of God by trusting in his son. John chapter 1 tells us he that is born of, from above was not born of flesh and blood but was born of the spirit and the perfect will of God. If you're in this room today, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I need intercessors praying. Oh, Jesus. I know it's 9 a.m. and it's raining real hard outside and many people probably coming at the 1145 service and some who won't even come at all because of a rainstorm. I understand all that. But I believe somebody walked in this room today not right with God, not ready for heaven. Heart full of sin. Mind with no relief. A conscience that's heavy because you can't outrun your sin. If you're in this place then you'd say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I need to get right with God. I need to give Jesus my heart. I'm counting the three for you, and I want to pray with you this morning. If that's you, when I say three, lift your hand so I can pray. One, two, three. Lift your hand right now. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Yes, sir. Just keep your head bowed, eyes closed. Heaven's a real place. Heaven is a real place. Heaven's not a figment of my imagination. Heaven is the fulfillment of the reward of God for his people. And today, I want you to know Jesus came so that you could overcome. I want you to look at the person now on your left and right. You don't know who lifted their hand. You don't know who asked for prayer. But you may be in this room today and you may say, Pastor Kevin, I lifted my hand or I should have. In just a second, your neighbor is going to ask you a question. And the question is this. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you do, if you need Jesus to rescue you, if you lifted your hand or you know you should have, when your neighbor asks you if you need someone to go pray, just nod your head, yes, they'll come with you and I'll meet you right here. And we're going to pray and you're never going to be the same. Ask your neighbor, please, on your left and right, do you need someone to go pray with you? If you lifted your hand or you should have, God bless you, young man, as you're coming this morning. Thank you for coming. Anyone else who's coming today? Anyone else who's coming today? I want to give my heart to Jesus. Come on. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Dios le bendiga. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Come on. Hey, don't, if we're going to praise him, let's really praise him. Bible said angels go crazy over one. 
Anybody else? I saw a few more lifted hands. Come on, thank you for coming, sweetheart. If you should have lifted your hand or you did lift your hand and you want to get right with God, come on. Come, come stand with me right now. Come help me, elders. Come over here and help me if you don't mind. Would you stretch your hands toward them and pray for them this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Pray for them like you wanted someone to pray for you the day you gave your heart to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grace, 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 grace. I want all you overcomers to lift your hands up right now and receive the grace of God to overcome every threat, every struggle, every trial. Come on, lift your hands high. You're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. It's not up for debate. It's not up for discussion. It's not up for grabs. It's already decided. Keep faith in God. Keep your faith in God. Thank you for coming, sweetheart. God bless you. God bless you. Another one came. Somebody praise God. Praise him. Come on, this is family. The family's growing. You by live stream, you may be watching me right now and you may wonder, can he save me through live stream? He'll save you by the blood. If you'll believe the word I preach today, he'll save you. Right there where you're standing, right there where you're sitting, wherever you are, just say this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. I repent, Lord, and I'm asking you to forgive me today. And I receive your newness of life in Jesus' name. I'm saved. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to share it with our message system there on our Facebook live stream. And I want you to let us know so that we can continue to pray for you. Listen, on your way out, you're going to go out left and right. I bought something for you this week. How many remember now and laters? I got you some now and laters for the road. When you eat them, every time you eat them, I pray that you'll remember you're, a re you're rewarded now and you're going to be rewarded later. Somebody give him praise all over this house. Listen, listen, Wednesday night, you don't want to miss it. How many were here this past Wednesday night? It was heaven on earth. How many would agree with me? Be here this Wednesday. We're in a special season of miracles and you don't want to miss it. Let these pray. Go to your left and right. If you'll exit, we've got another whole crowd coming in. I love you. I'll see you Wednesday night. 7 p.m. Go in the goodness of God.